Matthew 2 and verse number 1. Notice what the Bible teaches us here in the gospel according to Matthew. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it, had, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced. With exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they parted, departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under. According to the time he had diligently inquired of the wise men, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice of heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. When he had heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea, in the room of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee, and came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. I know the statement is cliche, but it's true. Wise men still worship Jesus. Wise men still worship Jesus. I'm glad our Bible calls them wise men. We have coined that phrase into something I do not believe that maybe the translators intended it to mean. I think we have uh, made that phrase into one word. We call them wise men. 
And that's not what the Bible says. They were not the wise men. They were wise men. They were wise men. It's not one word, it's two words. And some preachers, you know, you might have heard them called this before. You might have heard them called the Magi and uh, those kinds of things coming. And we get our uh, word today, magician, from that word Magi. But that's a transliteration from the word in the Greek there, Magos or Magi or Magi there. Uh, But our Bible, and uh, though I'm not a fan of other translations, but I looked into some of them and none of them, even the other translations don't translate it Magi. Everybody translates it wise men because that's what they were. They were wise men. They were men from the east that had sought for godly counsel and godly wisdom, and they found that wisdom in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They were not wise men. They were not magi. They were not sorcerers. They were not magicians. These were wise men. Wise men, wise people, wise women, wise children, wise teenagers, wise moms, wise dads, wise wives, wise husbands, wise workers worship Jesus Christ the Lord. Who are you worshiping? That's the question for today. Who are you and I worshiping? In Matthew 2, 2, we read uh, where these men came from and what they had come to do. They make it plain to Herod, and then it says, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. They are come to worship him. That's why they came. Why did you wake up this morning? Amen. What are you going to wake up tomorrow to do? What about the next day and the next and the day after that? What are we going to do with the rest of our lives? Are we going to worship God? Is that what we're going to do? I hope to show you today and maybe if God allows me to over the next couple of weeks to look into this thought of worship. Because I do believe that in our society today that we have somewhat, and in churches today, have somewhat distorted what that really means. There are some that say, well, that church really knows how to worship. We'll talk about that. What does that mean? Is that something that we should say? Is that something we should be seeking out? Or rather, should we be seeking out a daily life of worship? Something in which I worship that not is only affected or is something that is not only seen or experienced in a church house, in the assembly, but something that is actually lived out in our lives on a daily basis. Worship really changes somebody, is what it does. Worship is something that affects someone, not just on Sundays, amen? It should affect us every single day of our lives. I do not believe these men were sorcerers of the Balaam variety. Though I'm going to show you here in just a moment that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, Balaam was the one that prophesied of this star that would be coming over them. I do not believe that Balaam, though he was from the east, is, these were not those men there was not any witchcraft involved here. They were, not astro- they were not astrologers of the East. They were astronomers, but not astrologers. Y'all know the difference, right? 
An astronomer, he's the person that studies the stars. An astrologer is the person that worships the stars. They study the stars in order to worship them. They believe in the horoscopes and all of those kinds of things. And they say, I'm a, I, don't, I only know one, I'm a Pisces. That's the only one I know. I don't know any of the rest of them. You know, you know what are you? And are we compatible and those kinds of things? And, uh, you know, uh, Christians, we don't believe in any of that nonsense. Amen? I got two and three men, so I'm not right there, all right? As Christians, we don't believe in any of that nonsense, amen? amen. Well, that, that's, that's, that's horoscopes, that's, that's satanic, that's occultic stuff, okay, all right? We're not into all of that, all right? But what we are into is we're into Jesus Christ the Lord, amen? And we're into miracles. And I believe what you're seeing right here in Matthew chapter number 2 is a miracle. It is a miracle that this star, and it moved over this place where Jesus was at the time that he lived there in Bethlehem. You know, stars just don't move, okay, and stay still, okay? You say, well, this was a comet. Well, no, listen, comets are continuously moving, all right? This was not a shooting star, a falling star. This was something that was quite miraculous that God did. He led these men in such a way that he even would move a star for the Son of God, Amen. I mean, that's how important God is. That's how important Jesus is. He's greater than the stars because he made the stars. Amen? Because there's only five words about the stars in the creation, and he made the stars also, right? He made the stars also. So these men were wise men. Are you a wise lady? Are you a wise man? Are you a wise teenager? A good question to ask yourself in order to answer that question is, who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? These men, I believe, were taught to worship. They were taught to worship. Now, worship is, I believe, there, there's a statement out there that says some things are better caught than taught, and I, I understand that principle. But worship ought to be taught, not just caught. Explain yourself, preacher. What I mean by that is this, is that, as I said just a moment ago, well, that church really knows how to worship. And sometimes uh, people can kind of catch on, if you will, to worship, and they think that if I come to a church and if I raise my hands or if I shout real loud or, or if, I, if I get real excited, I might, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a church like this, but I'll run the aisles, you know. Anybody ever heard of churches doing that before? Or I'll, or I'll, uh, or I'll, uh, uh, or some people th- say, well, uh, you know, if you're really, man, if that church is really worshiping, that means uh, that they're speaking in tongues, right? I mean, that's when it really, that's when the real worship breaks out. I mean, when they start speaking in tongues, I mean, that's really it right there. Uh, or, or, or when the band's really playing really loud or something like that. And people sometimes they, they catch on to worship and they say, well, that is worship. But listen, worship is needs to be taught. What is worship? These men were not just sitting at home twiddling their thumbs, I can guarantee you that, and said one day, oh, look at that star over there. They had some teaching on the matter. They had some instructions about the thing. Worship is a big word. It's uh, many facets to it. And I believe it is good for us to be biblically taught what it means to worship. There are some things, as I said, you learn by example, and sometimes in worship you do too. But when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, Jesus did not say, why don't you come down to Jerusalem and let me show you how we worship. No, what did he do? He taught the lady on what true worship is and was. 
Why do we need to be taught about worship? Well, you need to know who to worship, first of all. Amen? I mean, the world is out there, and it will tell you to worship every single thing that is there, okay? I mean, there's Mother Earth to worship. There's Buddha to worship. There's, uh, there's, 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 there's Allah to worship. There's all the gods of Hinduism to worship. There's all the gods of this world to worship, okay? But so we've got to be taught who to worship. In Matthew and John 4:22, Jesus taught the lady at the well, the woman at the well, who to worship. He said, "You worship what you know, what you do not know." Now, I, I would say that is the majority of the world. They are worshiping, but they don't know who they're worshiping. They don't know who they're worshiping. You say, "What do you mean by that?" What I mean by this is that anybody that's not worshiping God is worshiping the devil. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping the devil. You're worshiping him. Now, he, he likes to put on lots of different masks, doesn't he? And he likes to dress up in lots of different costumes. And people say, well, that's my God and this is my God. But the, the, I believe it was Paul that said that you need to stay away from doctrines of what? Devils. Those idols, right? those are devils, all right? Those are not from God. That's not from the Lord. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping the devil. You're worshiping Satan. Now, if you told somebody that, that was uh, not worshiping the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they say, oh, no, we're worshiping and fill in the blank. But you see, they worship and they don't even know what they're worshiping. What they're worshiping. Now, we as believers in Christ, I believe sometimes can even get sidetracked ourselves. Amen? We can sometimes get off course. And if we don't think we can, then we need to humble ourselves and realize that we can. These men in our account before us would not have known where to worship or who to worship or who to find the worship at unless somebody had taught them. And I believe there was a man, if I can scratch my head and kind of figure it out, there was a, there was a kind of a dude that kind of had some prophecies, wasn't there? That lived in the east in the Babylon area. I believe his game was what? Daniel, right? He kind of knew a little bit, didn't he? He made a lot of prophecies. In fact, he made the 70-week prophecy, didn't he? There in Daniel chapter number 9 that predict, predicted and prophesied and foretold the exact timing of the Lord and Savior's birth down to the, almost to the, very, to the very day. He told them when it was going to happen. So it is no wonder that these men were looking for a star, looking for a sign, if you will, if you want to put it that way, in order something that might direct them and help them to see. You say, you, may, you mean to tell me that, uh, that, that, that God can uh, teach some people and hundreds of years later still allow them to hear? Yeah, I believe he can. You ever heard of Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church in Cleveland, Tennessee? 216 years old. Still teaching the Word of God, still preaching the gospel. Amen? I mean, God can keep around His Word for a pretty good while. Amen? He can keep around His Word, and He's got believers all over this world, my friend, that are giving out the Word and giving out the gospel. These men had been taught, and if it wasn't Daniel, do you think Daniel had any influence over anybody? Of course he did. He had influence over kings. I mean, if he had influence over kings, who else did he have influence over? You say, where did Daniel get his teachings from? Well, 
You don't have to go very, you have to go back a little bit further, about 1,400 years. And you have to find a man that God used in a unique and, uh, uh, way. And if you want to go back sometime and look at all the messages, I preached about 10 messages on, uh, on Balaam. A few months ago, but I won't spend the. I won't give you. I won't. I won't give you ten hours of Balaam doctrine here. Balaam lessons here today. All right, but he came from the east. God had been preparing this way for Jesus to come to Bethlehem for centuries. Numbers chapter number twenty-four and verse number seventeen. Listen to it. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Seth. That was written approximately 1,400 years before Christ. You think God's got a way of preparing the way for his son? He does. He had a way. 1,400 years before even Christ was brought onto the scene, he was already teaching about him. He brought other prophets along the way. He even uh, chose in his, sovereign, in, his, in his sovereignty to allow for the children of Israel to be displaced and to be kicked out of their own land and to move to another land, to another place in the east and then put them over there and chose another man, Daniel and other prophets of God and Ezekiel and others and put them in that land there so that they may even teach others about the Word of God. You see, God's got a plan, my friend. And we've got to see that God's got, a, God's got a way for all of us here this morning. You need to know who to worship. The astronomers were looking for this star. No doubt when God sent the children of Israel into Babylon, the, all of them began to learn as Daniel was chief among them. A mighty king, a mighty savior, a redeemer was going to come up out of this land. But notice secondly with me, if you will, this morning, not only the star that they saw, but notice also with me the scribes that didn't really want to hear. This is amazing to me. Look at verse 4. And when they had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and they tell him where he's supposed to be born at. And then it says in verse 8, this is what gets my goat. Herod, and Herod, or he, sent them to Bethlehem. You say, what's the big deal about that? Isn't it sad that whenever these men showed up in Jerusalem and started asking about this star in the sky, that everyone got an all in a tizzy and no one even, even thought about it? Nobody even there knew about it. No one had prepared for it. God's people who had the word of God were not ready for God to show up. And even more sad than that, even more sad than that, I could understand that. I might could even put that off on the Lord and say, the Lord blinded them and allowed them not to see that so that these Gentile men could see these things and give hope to the Gentile. But beyond that, once they did hear about it, who went down to Bethlehem? The wise men, not the scribes. Isn't that amazing to you? It's amazing to me. These men had no gumption, no desire, no will to go to seek out the king of kings. No, no desire to go find out where he was at. 
talk about being taught. I said that worship needs to be taught. These people were taught, were they not? These Jewish scholars were learned, they were, but they were not saved men. Many of them were not. They did not have a desire for the things of God. They had no zeal to see the promised one come. Why? Because their knowledge and wisdom had what? Had puffed them up, got them big. They were able to quote Bible verses, but they didn't practice Bible verses. We've got to be careful with that, don't we? So careful. You see the star that comes out of the east. You see the scribes that would not hear. But this teaches us a few points. Number one, it teaches us and encourages me that God's got his people all over the world. God's got his people all over the world. And two things. Number one, I don't need to worry about that. You say, what do you mean? Well, a lot of times I get some, you know, sometimes you'll get a, Christian or a good brother in Christ or somebody that is even not saved and they'll say something like, well, what about people that have never heard the gospel? They'll get all kind of in a tizzy about this thing, about God. Listen, my friend, God's going to share his gospel. I have faith in God. I have faith in the Lord. I have faith in God that he is going to get his gospel out. Now, am I supposed to be a part of that? Am I supposed to be an active agent in that? Amen. I am. Okay. Carry those gospel tracts. Put one in your put one in your uh, in your in your pocket right there. You know, hey, I found these the other day. Uh, Moments with the book. You know, isn't that nice right there? You hand that to somebody around this Christmas time season, and you know what? They'll be they, they can't refuse that almost. They'll say, "Oh man, look at me, Liz, that's pretty." And they'll get in that thing. I gave one of these to somebody the other day, and uh, and you know what they did? They sat down and they read the whole entire thing. I mean, so people are searching. People are looking. We've got to be active agents in this matter. And listen, if God, you say, you know what? You know a lot of people that will ask that, especially Christians. Well, what about these people that are all over the world and God? You know what? Most of the time, the people that ask that kind of question, they're not soul winners. They're not soul winners. If they were soul winners, then they would say, you know what I need to do? I need to make sure they do know. It's on me. I got to tell somebody. I got to let somebody know. I got to give somebody the gospel so that they can hear. Listen, I was in a church one time that we were giving out gospel tracts, and uh, and we got a letter in the mail from a from a from a brother in Africa, and he said somehow, and he sent back the tract, and it was from Africa. It was it was all legit. Our pastor talked to him and everything, and had written a letter and said somehow your tract got to Africa. And a couple of us read this and got saved. You don't know what God's going to do, my friend. That sounds outstanding, doesn't it? That sounds like a preacher story, doesn't it? I mean, uh, a good evangelist story, doesn't it? But it was true. I was there. I saw it. I saw the letter. I saw the, I saw the return address, all right? I'm just telling you, my friend, is that God has a way of getting his gospel out. I'm not worried about that. I just need to be worried about getting the gospel out. Number two, it teaches me that you and I might be taught who to worship, where to worship, what to worship, and how to worship, and all the aspects about worship, but still never worship. Jesus told that woman at the well that though the Jews knew who to worship and where to worship, he actually said this to her after this, after he said that to her, he said, but the hour cometh, and now is, 
When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God, Jesus is saying to the woman at the well, he's saying, listen, you don't, know, you don't know where to worship, who to worship, or how to worship. He says the Jews know who to worship, how to worship, and where to worship. He said, but there's coming a day when God is going to look for not a Jew. He's not going to look for a Gentile. He's not going to look for a Samaritan to worship him. He's going to look for true worshipers of God. True worshipers of God. Isn't it sad people that have been taught how to worship will still not even worship God? Or it might even be a sadder case that some of us know so much about the Bible and are, but, but are not as zealous and as excited about the Bible as we should be. There should be a level of a excitement and uh, anticipation about the Word of God and about the prophecies of the Word of God, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. How many of us are looking? How many of was the last time you just were uh, walking outside and the sun just kind of gleamed down on your eye right there and you looked over to the, to, to the east and you thought to yourself, maybe it's today. Maybe he's coming back today. Maybe, maybe he'd come back today. When was the last time you thought of Jesus Christ coming again. When was the last time you said to yourself, man, I'm excited about the Word of God? When was the last time you woke up? Did you wake up this morning and go, man, you know what I got to get? I got to get some bread. You know what? And I don't mean come down to the, get, come down to Scenic Hills and get a donut. Amen? I mean, I got to get some real bread. I got to get some, I got to get some manna. I got to get it right here. I got to get in it. When's the last time you got up enough gumption and a zeal to say, I want to worship God. I want to obey God. Paul and Barnabas are told in uh, Acts 15, they were men that hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. At Paphroditus, his testimony was that because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. Stephanus' house, it says, and I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and they have addicted themselves to the ministry. A wise man or a wise woman necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean that somebody is tight-fisted or reserved or kind of uh, clenched lip, uh, but it's somebody that, are you going to be willing to fling yourself into the work of God, even if you might say haphazardly, zealously, It'd be nice if we were just a little bit more sporadic every once in a while. A little bit more, uh, if you will, dangerous. I believe the church has become sometimes, and, and our church has, has got to be careful of this, is that we can kind of become a little soured like the Jews. We can really become a little soured like the Jews. Religion can sour us. Well, if it's not scheduled, then I'm not going to do it. If it's not scheduled, I'm not going to do it. You know, if it's not on the schedule, I don't have to go tell somebody about the Lord. If it's not required, I don't have to attend. If it's not my job, then I don't have to do it. You ever say, you know what, I've just got a wild hair today. i got 1,564 different things to do. But man, I was at church on Sunday and I just saw those pews. Man, they just had stuff all over them. I know they need to be vacuumed. He said, man, I didn't know he was going to talk about talking about vacuuming pews and worshiping God. I thought he was going to talk about raising our hands up, you know. 
Yeah, you raise your hands up. You pick them up, pick up the vacuum like this, and you go like this right here. You know what I mean? You think you can? Do you think you could do that and worship God? You better believe you can. You think you think that you can go to work tomorrow? You say, Pastor, I've just got too many things to do. I, you don't know my work schedule. Listen, you you're not getting it, are you? You're not, you're not, you're not, the, 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 the light bulb hasn't turned on. Let me, let me reach out there and turn on the light bulb for you here real quick, okay? Is that you can wake up in the morning and go to work and worship God. You see, mean, you mean pray and, and pray, yeah, pray would be, that'd be a good start, amen? Pray for your lunch. Let people see that. Give glory to God. Give praise to God. Somebody says, oh man, you did a great job on that. Say, well, praise God. Give glory to God. But at the same time, work hard. Be a good worker. Show up on time. Do your best. That's worshiping God because you're obeying God. All right? You're obeying God. When was the last time you said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to bring, uh, I was ashamed the other day. I thought, you know what? I'll probably only hand out two gospel tracks in here. And I handed those two gospel tracks out. I handed them out so fast. I was, I, I, I was ashamed. I thought, man, I should put more gospel tracks in my pocket. I don't know if it's the time of year. I'm just, I'm not usually preaching about always giving out gospel tracts. That's not usually my thing. But I have just been amazed. I just think, I don't know if it's the time of year that we're in, but it just seems like people are just a little bit more receptive right now to that thing. And you need to be sensitive to that. And sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God in your life. Sensitive to what He wants for you in your life. That is worshiping God, my friend. You see somebody, hey, somebody that needs a meal, somebody that needs a hand up. You know, we're not here, we're not, I don't believe we're called upon to, 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 to just put people on our back and just always say, you know what, I'm just going to take the world on my back. Listen, you can't do that, okay? But every once in a while, you need to give somebody a hand up, all right, and help somebody out. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. The reason we're not sensitive is we're not worshiping. We're not worshiping God. These men were worshiping. Call on somebody that you hadn't seen in a while. They say, did Pastor, you know, some people, I've heard people say this before. Did Pastor ask you to do that? You know? No, I, just the Holy Spirit of God put it in my heart to do that thing. And we can be like the, don't, we, uh, we are like the Jews sometimes. We can tell you where the king's going to be born, but we've got no desire to go worship the king. We've got to be careful with that. No interest in running down there to see him. But when was the last time that we told somebody about Jesus Christ? The wise men were taught the word of God, and not just a small, and, just, and, and think about this, they just knew a small portion of it. They didn't have it all, but they clung unto it, and they heeded it, and they waited for it to come to pass, and they taught their children, and they taught their children's children, and their children's children's children is what they taught. They taught them and passed it on down until finally one day they saw it. And then you know what they did? They made a sacrifice. And they got on some camels, and they rode over a thousand miles to go see the King of kings and Lord of lords. I've read 
many account of people in Russia and Vietnam and China and other communist countries that will just have only one or two pages of this good book right here. Only one or two pages. And maybe three or four families have one or two pages and they'll, they'll take that book, maybe they'll have a, just, a, just a New Testament and they'll take that New Testament or that one gospel and they'll tear out those pages. And they'll pass those pages around to each family uh, that is in the church. You know, sometimes, I, I don't know, I don't think, I don't need more Bibles in my office. I need to read the Bible I got in my office. Listen, I don't need to memorize more verses until, first of all, sometimes I need to get the verses that I have memorized into my heart and then practice the verses that I've got in my heart. And God help us to do that. Worship must be taught. These men were taught to worship. Do you know who to worship? Who are you worshiping? Worship is giving worth or value to someone or something. It is crediting worthiness to someone or something. It is to worship them. It is to praise them. It is to give to them, to love them, to talk about them. Now, this might not be your idol, and I, we're not really one of these churches, all right? So this is a, what you might call in sermon language. It's a safe illustration, all right? I'm not pointing anybody out. We're not really one of these sports churches, all right? All right, okay? Now, some of us like sports, and I like sports. I enjoy sports, okay? But when you really look at America... America worships a lot of things, but it worships sports. It worships it. I want you to think about the list I gave you. Praise, you give to them, you love them, you talk about them. Now, I watched the Texas game yesterday, okay? And I watched some other games. And we got to kind of, even this morning, we got to kind of talking about it this morning. And I said, okay, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. We need to focus on the Lord. I'm not saying you, need to, you can't talk about sports. But I just told the boys, I said, listen, we need, we need to focus on God. And that's what a dad's got to do, amen? That's what you got to do as a dad. You got you to see the direction your family's going, and you got to turn it in the right direction. You, you got to turn it. You got to say, no, wait, wait, wait a second. And you're not getting on to them, Amen? You're not being mad at them or anything. You're just saying, wait a second, wait a second. second. We're just, we we got to turn this thing. That, that's fun. Oh, man, we had a good time. We had a great time on yesterday, what we did. Man, that was fun. But, but go, now, now it's serious. We need to focus on the Lord here, okay? Let's get, let's get our focus on God. That's what a dad does, and that's what a mom does. And they, and they, and they get their families back on track for God, and they want to say, hey, hey, we, we're having a good time. We're enjoying that. Man, that was fun. We had, we had a great time. Yeah, but let's worship God. Let's get our minds and our focus on the Lord. Man, there are people today, they are consumed with who's going to be in the college football playoffs. 
I mean, they are consumed with it. And people are going to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go to bowl games and championships games and all the rest of it, right? And they're going to talk about it at the work and they're going to talk about it with their friends and they're going to talk about these kinds of things. And you say, my issue is not sports. Okay, your issue isn't sports, okay? What is your thing you like to talk about? What do you give to? What do you say? I'm going I'm to give to that. I'm going to go for that. Pastor Hoots and the Revival Messages said it well. He said, are you giving God the first of everything? There's just the questions that he asked. I'm going to present them again. Are you giving God the first part of your morning? Are you giving God the first day of the week? Are you giving God the first part of your increase? Are you giving God the first say on your decision making? I thought those were good questions. What are you giving to God? I'm teaching about worship. I'm trying to instruct this on worship. We don't worship God like we should. We don't, we, we, we've we spent our time, our money, our effort, our energy on things that are not godly. We haven't spent our time the way we should. And so you say, man, pastor, I'm, I'm really feeling guilty. Listen, if you're saved here today, can I tell you, can I instruct you on something? Is that guilt is not from God. Guilt is from the devil. Guilt holds you down and says you can't serve God. You can't be a good Christian. You can't do the things of God. Guilt says, why are you reading that Bible? You don't even listen to it. That's what guilt says. Guilt says you're no good. Guilt says you're a bad husband. Guilt says you're a bad mother. Guilt says you're a bad wife. Guilt says, why do you even go to church? You can't even do what's right one day out of the week. That's what guilt does. It keeps dragging you down, pulling you down, pulling you down. But listen, my, my Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord, didn't die for your sins so that you could be dragged down and hung down all the time with guilt, my friend. He came to this world to save you from your sins. And then instead of being guilty and saying, say, I feel so guilty, you know what the power is at? The power is in repentance. Amen? The power is in you saying, yes, you're right, devil. I am no good, good for nothing uh, piece of dirt. But you know what, devil? My Savior saved me. And it's under the blood, and I've confessed it, and I've made it right with God, and I know I'm right with the Lord, and no, I'm not the best, and no, I'll never be the best, but you know what? My Savior's the best. And I'm not living through my power, I'm living through His power. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can live this life that He's given me. Because why? Because I'm not worshiping you anymore, devil. I'm worshiping the King of kings, and the Lord of lords is who I'm worshiping. And I'm giving it to Him. And yes, I might fall down tomorrow, but seven times, I'm the just man's going to rise up again. He's going to rise up again. The, the wicked stay down in the muck. They live in the muck. The righteous, they might fall down and get their knees bruised up, and they might get a little muck on them. But praise God, we got a Savior and a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that's going to wash the muck off and says, you know what? Keep going on, my son. Keep going on, my daughter. 
don't quit, don't give up. Do you think it was easy to travel a thousand miles by camel? Do you think there might have been a few hiccups along the road? Maybe a flat tire or two? I'm glad some of y'all picked up on that. I guarantee there was. We don't know the full story. But I can guarantee you this. That when they got there, they said, we're going to worship God. Worship affects What I'm trying to get at today here is this, is worship is taught, and when it's taught and implemented into our lives, it affects our whole entire life. Not just this. Not just today. Worshiping the King of Kings, Jesus Christ the Lord, should affect your life every day. Because you should worship God every day. Are you worshiping God or are you worshiping the devil? I'm not trying to judge you on that. I'm just asking you to be honest with yourself. Have you truly believed upon Jesus Christ? Have you repented and said, I see my sin for what it is. My sin is a separation between me and God, and there's no way for me to get to God except it be through Jesus Christ the Lord. Have you placed your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? If you haven't, we want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. With every head bowed and every